Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, folks, we're doing a series called Living Beneath the Surface. You say, what's that, George? Well, here's the thing. What I find is for a lot of Christians, and that includes me as well, we have a tendency to live on the surface of our Christian lives. We don't really go deeper in our Christian lives because we're comfortable on the surface. Because when you live on the surface, there aren't too many demands on you. Oh, maybe you come to church on Sunday morning. But there really aren't too many demands, and we don't really know what that's like to get beneath the surface. We kind of have these false concepts in our mind that if I get beneath the surface, then I need to become some kind of Jesus freak. Well, actually, folks, the problem is is that when you live on the surface, you find that your Christian life isn't satisfying. In fact, in a lot of ways, you find that your Christian life becomes boring. Because you don't really have any expectations of anything. Christianity is just simply one hour or two hours on Sunday morning. Or the one minute that you pray before you eat. But then the expectation of God interacting in your life on a daily basis doesn't exist there. You don't even know what that means. That's for holy people. That's for special people who walk and serve the Lord. But the reality is, is that God wants every single one of us to get beneath the surface in our Christian lives. He doesn't want us to be on the surface. He wants you to live the excitement of a relationship with the living God of the universe. And you can have that relationship. So that's why we've been looking at the letter to the Philippians. Because the Philippian letter really communicates a lot to us about how to live beneath the surface. In fact, the theme of the Philippian letter is that you have joy in your Christian life. And a lot of people, let's be honest, when we talk about their Christian life, when you look at your Christian life, joy isn't the word to describe it. If anything, defeat is the word, or discouragement. So we're going to look today, you say, okay, we've been looking the last few weeks, we're going to get to chapter 2 now, and he's actually going to communicate what's the first step that you and I need to take to get into a deeper relationship with Jesus. He's going to show us what the first step is for you to go beneath the surface, to live on a different level with God. And we're going to see it here in verses 1 to 4. So let me read to you those verses this morning. Paul writes, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. From these verses, we're going to see the first step of getting beneath the surface. Now, you've got to ask yourself the question. We've been asking ourselves this question for the last five weeks now. 
Do you want to have a deeper relationship with Jesus? Do you want to get beneath the surface? Do you want your Christianity? Do you want your faith in Christ to be more than just coming to church on Sunday morning, standing when you're supposed to be standing, giving when you're supposed to be giving, singing songs when you're supposed to be singing, praying, doing the ritual stuff? Do you want more than that? You need to pay attention to what he's going to say here because actually when you read this passage, it tells you some truths that'll blow your mind. You say, what are you talking about, George? Because when I read this, the big word that sticks out to me right at the very beginning is the two-letter word, if. Look at what it says there. Look at verse 1. Therefore, if, if there's any consolation, if there's any love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. That, that's a big word there, if, because I'm looking at my Christian life, George, and I don't see that. I don't see this consolation in him. I don't see this love. I don't see this mercy and tenderness. Where, where, where are you getting this from? That big word, if, is right there, right in my face. What are you talking about? Well, let me explain something to you, and then we're going to see something very interesting, and I hope it blows your mind today. Let me get a little bit technical with you, first of all. Our English language is interesting. If could mean anything. But in the original language in which it was written, it's called a conditional phrase, an if-then statement. You know what I'm saying? If you do this, then I'll do that. Don't you tell that, do that as parents? Kids, if you do clean up your room, then you'll get a treat. And it's kind of a condition. you got to clean up your room first, then you'll get the treat, right? It's a conditional statement. Well, in the Greek language, there's actually three types of conditional statements. This one that we're reading here is called a first-class conditional statement. What does that mean? You're getting technical here, George. Well, let me tell you, it's called an implied reality. So the first part of the statement is a reality. The if part is an implied reality. Then communicates what you need to act upon that reality. So when you look at these verses, folks, verse 1, what he says there is an implied reality. What he is saying exists are truths that are already real in your life. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, these four things already exist in your life. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is for most of us, we're totally ignorant of those four things. In fact, for most of us, we're praying about these four things. God, comfort me. God, love me. God, help me in these areas. The reality is, is he's already done these things, and because he's already done them, you need to do some things. They're realities. See, that's what we see here in the language. And so what I want to share with you is four realities. That's the first section of your notes there. Four realities that already exist in your life. You maybe were not aware of them before, but you need to be aware of them now if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And then I'm going to tell you what you're supposed to do with it. Here's the first one. Look at what he says. Verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ. Here's the first reality. Every believer receives encouragement from the relationship with Jesus. Every believer receives encouragement from 
the relationship with Jesus. Here's what I'm going to say to you. Because I know how it is. I'm a human being. You're a human being. I go through deep waters. You go through deep waters. Everybody understand that? Everybody here? Life isn't perfect. And it's difficult. It's struggle. And one of the things that happens, especially if you're a believer, you begin to question, God, are you there? God, do you care? You say things like that. God, don't you know what's going on in my life? Don't we say things like that? God, where are you in the midst of my pain? God, I can't handle this anymore. God, I need you. And, we, and, and basically what's happening is, is we're like, where are you, Lord? I need encouragement. Well, here's the thing. The reality is, is that if you're a believer in Jesus, you have that reality of encouragement already. But how come I'm not experiencing it? You experience it through the relationship. You experience it by going to him. You experience it by going to him and talking to him about it and letting him, as Philippians will later say in chapter 4, be anxious for nothing but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Folks, I've lived that. I've lived it just here in the last week. Something was weighing on my heart Rather than going and doing what I normally do, and that's grabbing a cheeseburger to figure out how to get through it, I go and talk to God about it, and guess what? I have peace. He didn't tell me the solution, but he told me I'm with you. Because there's comfort. See, comfort is already there for you. The question is, is are you accessing it? Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you accessing the encouragement that comes from Jesus? He's waiting to give it to you. See, when you decide to quit living on the surface of just Christianity being one part of my life, and I got it over this week, and let's move on, when you decide to get deeper in your relationship with him, you begin to realize that there is a wonderful relationship of encouragement. I just need to spend time with him. I just need to talk with him. Need, let need to let him know what's going on in my heart and in my mind. Here's the second reality. Look with me. If there is any comfort of love. This is the second reality. Every believer has comfort from Jesus' love in our suffering. Every believer has comfort. Now, I think it's interesting because the word comfort here is a word... I'll just give it to you technically. It's called parakletos. And what does that mean? The word means comfort. It's the same word that Jesus used in John chapter 13, 14, and 15 when he said, I'm going away. When he tells his disciples, I'm going to leave you. And they're sad because it's the Messiah. They've given three years of their life to follow Jesus. And Jesus says to them, I'm going to leave you, but don't be sad. I'm going to send you another parakletos another comforter. Who was he talking about? The Holy Spirit. See, here's the second reality that many of us don't understand, and it's because maybe we've got some theological issues because the church we went to or whatever. We don't understand that God has already given us comfort every day in the person of the Holy Spirit. He was given to you not just to ensure that you will have salvation. He was given to you to comfort your life in the midst of your suffering. And believe me, folks, you suffer every day, don't you? You suffer. 
You say, well, I'm not going to go in persecution. No, folks, but you do have the bills that show up out of nowhere. You do have problems that erupt. That's human life. And you weren't created to carry it on your own. You need someone to help you. And the one who can help you isn't your mama, isn't your daddy, isn't the pastor. The one who can help you and comforting you is the Holy Spirit who was given to you when you came to know Jesus as your Savior. That's the second reality. The first reality is I get encouragement from the relationship with him. And let's be honest, most of us don't even seek that relationship with him. And number two, I get comfort from his love through the Holy Spirit in the midst of my pain and my suffering. Here's the third reality. This is true of every single person here. Listen to what he says. If any fellowship of the Spirit. Now what's he talking about there? Well, every believer has a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. So you have a relationship with Jesus consolation, encouragement in Christ. Now, if there's any fellowship, and fellowship there, that word means an intimate relationship. Like, for instance, I'll I'll be honest with you. Some of you today, I said hello to you, and it was the first time we met, and and you could say that I just had an acquaintance relationship with you. Hi, my name is George. How are you? Nice to see you. But there are some in here It's beyond just an acquaintance relationship. So for instance, like here, Brad. Brad and I have known each other now almost 17 years. This fall will be 17 years from the first time he called me. Brad and I have an intimate relationship. We have fellowship with each other. And here's what happens in that fellowship. He can sit with me and watch me eat a burger at Ethan's and tell me, George, I don't like this right now about you. And he's done that. Supposed to tell. <laughs> yeah, but that's true, right? Isn't that true? True. Okay. How can he do that? Because we have fellowship. We have an intimate relationship with each other. I want you to listen to me. The reality that Paul is saying here about every single one of you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, listen to me. You have that kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit. Do you understand me? You already have that kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit. But here's the problem for most of us. We're not even aware of it. We're just ignoring him. We're not paying him any mind. We're not paying him any attention. That's why in the scripture, Paul will say things, don't quench the spirit. Don't grieve the spirit. So, okay, over here, I got this lady here that I've known since 1991, okay? If I went through my life and just ignored her, where do you think we would be? I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't be holding her hand. Okay? It wouldn't go very far. Because by ignoring each other, we grieve our relationship. Do you understand what I'm saying? For intimacy to take place, there has to be what? A relationship, an interaction with each other. And that's what's got to take place. See, a lot of you are not realizing that the reality already exists, that the Holy Spirit lives within you. And listen, folks, he didn't just come into your life just to guarantee that you would have salvation later on. He came right now to do different things in your life. 
So when you do wrong and you feel convicted, guess who that is? It just isn't your conscience. It's the Holy Spirit saying to you, you shouldn't be doing that. And sometimes the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, hey, you need to be doing this. He's the one when you read your Bible that gives you an understanding of what you're reading. He's the one, the Bible says, when you don't know how to pray anymore, he prays for you. That's reality. That's the third reality, third spiritual reality he's saying here. Listen to the fourth one now. This one will blow your mind because probably some of you say, no, this can't be for real. Look at what he says. If any affection and mercy. Now what? I mean, the first three, I could kind of see what you're saying, George. What's he saying here? Well, here's the reality. Every believer is becoming compassionate and tender towards others. Whoa, hold on, because that's not a reality, George. Have you been in some churches? I mean, there are some grumpy people, and you might be saying, and I'm one of the grumpiest. I ain't got time for nobody. Well, that reveals something to me, because here's a spiritual truth. You may want to write this down. Here's a spiritual reality. You can tell if people are meeting with Jesus by how they act towards other people. That's just reality. And if you've got somebody who's grumpy, mean, and miserable in their actions towards other people, I don't care how much Bible they know, they haven't met with the living God. Because when you meet with the living God, he changes you. And he fills you with his love, and his love comes out of you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you will, because that, to be honest with you, is a fruit of the Spirit. You will become compassionate and tender towards others. In fact, the grumpiness and the miserableness and everything, that's the fruit of the flesh that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5. Listen to what he says in Galatians chapter 5 is the fruit of the Spirit. See, if you're walking with Jesus, these things are going to be produced in your life. Listen to what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See, this is the second reality. And maybe some of us need to clue in that God wants to produce this in your life. Compassion for other people. Tenderness to be towards each other. These are the realities. Listen, folks, why do you want to live up here on the surface where it's humdrum Christianity? And I hope George has got a good message this week because I could have stayed home, slept in, had brunch, and then started watching the ball games. That's called living on the surface. But if you grasp a hold of the realities of what's there before you, you can start taking the step to living into a deeper relationship with Jesus. So now he's given us these four realities. What are we supposed to do with it? Well, that's what verses 2 through 4 tell us. And that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time. Look with me. Here's what you're supposed to do with it. Let's start with verse 2. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Here's the first thing. We need to be single-minded with regard to love and purpose. Because of these realities, 
because of the relationship I have with Christ, because of the comfort I receive from he and the Holy Spirit, because of the relationship I have with the Holy Spirit and the fact that he's producing in me tenderness and compassion, I need to become, we collectively as a church, need to become single-minded with regard to love and purpose. What do you mean love? Well, what are we commanded to do? Love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what? Love our neighbor as ourself. And Jesus said, on this hinges the whole love. Love is the basis of everything. But not just that, love in purpose. What's our purpose? Sharing about Jesus with others. See, you and I could become single-minded and single-focused about that, right? Now, a lot of times when you go to church, there's a whole bunch of other things that kind of cloud the reality of why we're here. Political things. Folks, we are never going to agree on politics. Never. Let alone have people in the same church vote the same way. We all don't. We're never going to agree. We're never going to agree on sports. Right? We're in Steeler country. That guy's wearing a green jersey again. (laughs) Right? Isn't that true? But that's not why we become single-minded and unified. We become single-minded and unified because of love for God and love for each other and for having a purpose of seeing other people come to know Jesus. That's why we're here. And I can act on that. Why? Because I have a relationship with God through Jesus. I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit who brings me comfort. And I know that he is producing in me compassion and tenderness. First thing you do is you become single-minded in your purpose and your love. That's what we need to do. Here's the second thing. Look with me, verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Don't let your actions be defined by selfishness. Look, if you're living on the surface, it's all about you. and It's all about what you want to accomplish. It's all about, well, you know, I got a little bit of time for you, Jesus, in my busy schedule. But when you start living beneath the surface and you grasp the realities of what Christ has done for you, the relationship that he's done for you, how he's changing you, the comfort that you have in him, you begin to realize that you need to quit being selfish with your life. So when you come to church, it's not about what you can get out of the service. If that's why you're here this morning, I'm going to tell you, you might get something out of it today, but next week you might not. And then you'll be surprised that after a few weeks, because living on the surface is boring, you'll decide, I've had enough of that. I can get something else somewhere else. Christianity is not about what you get out of it. Christianity is about God using you to give to others. Quit being selfish. Third thing he tells us to do here. Again, verse 3. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Now, this is almost not American. What do you mean? Well, here's the third third thing he tells us to do. Always look at others as better than yourself. Now, that's so anti-cultural because we live in a culture where it's about you and what you accomplish, and you're better than anybody else. But see, the Bible calls you to something different. The Bible calls you, based upon the realities of what he's done for you through salvation, he calls you to realize that you need to start looking at others as they are better than you. Now, that's going to be hard because we all suffer from the same problem. Do you know we all have the same sickness here? We all suffer from a spiritual sickness, and it's called 
pride. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where we think we're better than someone else. In fact, I've seen that. See, it doesn't matter how low you are in the ditch, you always think you're better than somebody else if there's somebody else beneath you in the ditch. Do you understand? Christianity calls you to begin to see others as better than yourself. Now that is going to be tough, right? That's going to be difficult, but I'm going to tell you, you can do it. How? Four realities. Fellowship with Christ, relationship with him, comfort, Holy Spirit, and he's producing in you what? Compassion and tenderness. See, those are the things. You can do the things he's telling you to do. You can take the first step because he's given you these realities to your life. Here's the fourth and final one. Fourth and final thing that you need to do. We see it in verse four. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. What's he saying here? Fourth thing, look out for others as you take care of yourself. I remember years ago when I first pastored in Canada, you know, the church was going through some financial difficulties and they were having business meetings, arguing about the issue, and a guy stood up and said, well, I know we got needs here, but we have to take care of our own first. And you know what, folks? That's true. In fact, when you read verse 4, it's saying that as you take care of your own needs, what? Take care of others. See, what we do is, is we tend to focus on the first part of that truth, that I need to take care of myself. And yes, we need to take care of ourselves. In fact, God's word is very clear. If you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. So God's word is very clear about you need to take care of your family. But God's word goes one step further. Because of the realities of what Jesus has done for you, you should also look out for the needs of others around you. But see, when you're self-absorbed, you don't pay attention to what's going on in somebody's life. In fact, you say things like this. You're working with somebody. They're sitting there telling you about some crisis that's going on in their life, telling you about some deep waters that they're going through. And you're sitting there and you know that you could do something to help them. But here's what you say. I ain't got time for this. I don't have time for this, Lord. When you know that you could help them some way. I don't have time. I've got a busy schedule today. I can't stop for a moment and give a word of encouragement. Because sometimes looking out for others isn't necessarily doing something financial. It's doing something supportive in other ways, which might be emotional, which might be spiritual. But we're too busy living on the surface, aren't we? Living on the surface. But when you allow and embrace the reality that he's making you tenderhearted and compassionate, that oozes out of you when you understand the relationship with Jesus and you'll be there for them because you're not just looking out for yourself, which that's normal. You're looking out for them as well because you're concerned for them. That's what living beneath the surface is. You say, okay, George, wait a minute now, hold on. Man, those four things, some of them I can grasp, some of them are just plain tough. Yeah, they are. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, there are some churches that focus on, listen to me, that focus on that it's a whole lot easier to tell yourself, don't go to the movie house, don't go to this restaurant because they got a bar, dress this way, carry this type of Bible. That all is child's play. That's child's play. I'm just being honest with you because that's easy to do. It is a whole lot harder to do the four things he just told us to do, don't you think? That's true spirituality. But here's the reality. 
You can't do it without him, and so you've got to embrace the four things he's already done for you. And when you embrace those four things, those four realities, you'll begin to see yourself changing because you're going beneath the surface with him. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.